Well, I just got back from a wonderful time visiting my daughters and their children. I have six grandchildren. Would you call my hair silver or gray, Morgan? I was going to say weathered. Weathered. But but I think silver. We can go with that. And you, Alan? (laughs) Well, I was going to say kind of blonde or silver. I like blonde. Yeah, Yeah, still. (laughs) And I was with my girls and just loving them. And I'm so aware as they're growing up how their experience of me is changing and is different. And, you know, my oldest granddaughters call me Boo. That's my name. And now at 10 and at eight and a half, they're starting to call me other names. And they're relating to me now in different ways than they did when they were younger. And it's, I'm just enjoying this kind of evolution of our relationship and the words and the interaction and the feel of it. And I think it kind of illustrates what's true of our relationship with God. It just changes over time as he makes himself known in new ways and invites us to get to know him in some new way. And we thought it'd be fun, Morgan and Alan, joining me to just kind of, what's God doing right now? I mean, in the last 48 hours, how is God making himself known or inviting us into knowing him? What are we learning about this God we love and serve. And so let's just throw it open. Alan, Morgan, what's God inviting you into? What are we learning about God? Craig, it's such a helpful and instructive question because I'm just so aware that I constantly try to put God in a box that's Mm -hmm. controllable, Mm -hmm. that's productive, that's manageable, and like a close ally gave me a worship song recently by Waterdeep, and the verse goes, the place in my heart is too small for you. The place in my mind Mm. is too small for you. Mm. You're bigger. You're more than that. And so this constant desire to agree with who God is, even though I don't know him Mm. fully, and agree with what he's doing, even though I'm not aware of it, and agree with how he's doing it, even though so often I don't have a clue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, a while back recently, headed out on a backcountry ski trip with some of my closest friends. And early one morning in the cabin, I was just reading through and praying through Isaiah 66. And just by way of example, I was blown away by the scripture when you ask even in the last 48 hours. In Isaiah, in the message, the way it's framed is they're describing God and his effect of how he will come to us and says that I will pour robust well-being into you like a river, the glory of nations like a river in flood, that you will actually nurse at my breast. You'll nestle in my bosom. You'll be bounced on my knee. Just as a mother comforts her child, that's how I will comfort you. And then in Isaiah 66, it goes on to say, what is the result? What is the outcome? And this blew me away. It said, you will see all this. You will burst with joy and you will feel 10 feet tall. You will burst with joy and you will feel 10 feet tall. So we sat around a cup of coffee early morning as the sun rose with a couple guys and said, 
How much do you feel that? How much do you experience God where Isaiah is saying, this is what God is like, that he actually will pour out well-being to a river overflowing. And it's actually literally, you will feel as though you're the young places in you like a nursing baby. You'll feel the comfort of a bosom. Mm. And what's amazing is it ties into Psalm 91, which a friend was walking me through over this past year, where he uses the name El Shaddai for God. And in the Hebrew, it actually means the breasted one. There's a feminine component of that Mm -hmm. word in the Hebrew that's been lost, but it's this mothering part, Mm. this expression of the heart of God that's mothering and nurturing. And we went around the room, and it was just amazing how there were two reactions of how there was so little collective experience in the room of feeling the intimacy with God in that way. And then also, there is very little association with bursting with joy Mm. and feeling 10 feet tall as a man Mm. with simply comfort Mm. and intimacy. We were saying, you know, how we so often look for that feeling Mm. of feeling 10 feet tall by achievement. Mm -hmm. And so to be honest, Craig, in this morning, as I read those scriptures, as I've been just marinating on in the last two days— That's a part of God's heart I don't know, Mm. that I've not experienced nearly what's available. It Mm. feels very vulnerable, uncomfortable, and it also feels hopeful because I want to burst with joy and Mm -hmm. feel 10 feet tall most of the time. And that's what that scripture seems Mm. to say is available, quite apart from circumstances. I want to know that part of God's heart for me. Mm. Morgan, is there a backstory to this that makes this particular passage and what God's saying to you through it all the more powerful and real. I mean, this is a psalm you've read before. Mm -hmm. What is it about this psalm now, if there are any observations that you could say that kind of are the backstory and the context for, wow, this time in my journey, this is needed, mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. It hits something vital and deep within me. What I'm aware of is shame and fear have been such powerful tools of the enemy in my story that my inability to receive self-care, to choose self-care mm-hmm. from God, and even making agreements with self-hatred over the years has really crippled my intimacy with God. And Mm. over the decade, that's been a huge area of transformation and growth of breaking agreements with self-hatred and growing into wholeness in areas that were so dogged by shame and fear, where I actually think now I'm in a place that I can be receptive to this as a possibility. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, as you ask that, Craig, I think Maybe a decade ago, I would have read it as an idea, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't have been capable of opening my heart to it. But Mm. now God's blown the doors off of so many categories of who he wants to be in my life and how much more he is that I actually think my heart's ready to say, okay, God, I'm willing to risk believing that that's what you can be for me. You're far more, that just feels so risky Mm -hmm. as a man because there's nothing about performance there. It's not on performance. It's not on achievement. It's simply on risking receiving the love and receiving the comfort. Mm -hmm. And 
that just feels like the antithesis of how I make life mm-hmm. work outside of God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what you've done to burst open and feel 10 feet tall probably hasn't worked to the degree that this passage seems to be speaking to. Absolutely. This passage seems to speak with a consistency and a fruit, an emotional reality that transcends circumstances. Mm. That feeling of whatever you're facing, there's this union with God, this wellspring of life that's pouring out, this river Mm -hmm. that says, oh, I can do this. God in me. It's from a place of being united with God, Mm. the self-worth. I mean, in Stacy's teaching on the mother wound, it's amazing where she frames that while our validation is rooted in the father, self-worth comes through the mother's Mm -hmm. love. And so to know your self-worth, to be confident, to move through even circumstances that are trying to whisper something Mm -hmm. different, to say, no, I'm able to experience joy and feel full, Mm -hmm. that it's possible. And Mm -hmm. I've tasted some and I want more and it all feels like frontier right now. Mm That's good. That's good. How about for you guys? Alan, you've got your Bible open with your post notes, markers, and <laughs> ribbons. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been the last couple of days have been really rich for me. And that just yesterday, we were bringing a lot of things in our home from upstairs into the basement for storage. And so it was in the middle of kind of a busy doing time, and I had my youngest son, Chase, helping me. And so he's nine, and he had gone down to the basement with some things and then just didn't show up again. And so, you know, I'm thinking, come on, man, where are you? We need to get this done. And so I'm carrying boxes downstairs, and when I turn the corner downstairs in our basement, he's waiting with a Nerf gun he had loaded three Nerf guns, and so when he <laughs> unloaded awesome. one of the disc on me, then he went for the second, and then he went for the third. It became a really fun time, and in that moment, God has continued in this past year to bring me further in a journey of sonship, and part of that is just seeing the playfulness of God, the love of God, and trying to show that to my youngest son as a reflection of God. So in that moment— I didn't really think about it at that second, but afterwards I was like, I'm so glad I put the boxes down and engaged with Mm -hmm. him in a Nerf war Uh, instead uh, of going, uh, hey, come on, put that down. Let's get the boxes. Let's keep moving. You know, you're you're not being efficient. Let's be productive. Right. And I would have said that years (laughs) ago. Um, And so it was a moment of just, ah, I love the season of sonship God's inviting me into and um, even and then even within the last few days had a chance to sit down and uh, with Kelly really talk about how the difference between being a son and being an orphan and how when I find myself being drawn to productivity, it's always because it's a sense of never enough. Mm-hmm. I'm never quite enough. I need to do more to be enough at home, at work, um, as a coach, whatever it may be, and and just continuing to say, no, that's, I'm not going to be that man anymore. And as a son, with a loving father, you're always enough. And so that's, in the last few days, um, that's that's been a big journey. And 
a, a scripture or two that God has just been speaking to me from. Uh, in Psalm 51, I love how this starts. This is um, from the Message Translation, but it says, Generous in love, God give grace, huge in mercy, wipe out my bad record. And it goes on to say, enter me, then conceive a new, true life. And, and that's really what my hunger has been and, and a journey I'm on right now is, what is that new, true life? Obviously, it's full of grace and mercy if it's from God. And so that's that's just what I'm seeing more of. I'm tasting more of. Um, it, it's it's fresh terrain for me, and I, I thought I understood the definition of sonship um, a year ago, but now I'm learning what it means to really be His son and a father, my own sons, in those ways. Um, you know, it's just. Um, Further at the end of that chapter, it says, going through the motions doesn't please God. A flawless performance is nothing to him. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart shattered lives ready for love don't for a moment escape God's notice. Mm. And that's that's what I Mm. want. I want God. I feel like I'm at a point for the first time where I can honestly say, without fear or without trepidation, God, shatter my pride. Mm-hmm. Like, shatter it. Mm-hmm. Because the the flawless performance and going through the motions, what looks good on the outside, um, all of those things really don't matter. Um, but, but when your pride is shattered, then you're ready for love. And then you can receive it as a sign, and then you can give it. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what's been really big for me. Um, And then in Psalm 42, the first sentence or two says, a white-tailed deer drinks from the creek. And then it says, I want to drink God, deep draughts of God. I'm thirsty for God alive. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want the cry of my heart to be. I mean, to drink God, like to, to be so parched and thirsty to where that's your desire is. I don't want to reach for some other substitute to satisfy my thirst. Mm. I want God. I want to drink God. And um, so that's that's really the journey, Craig and Morgan, I feel like I'm on right now is how how do I do that well? And so oftentimes in a loving way, from God, it is a humbling process because you realize he strips away all the things that either used to work or mm-hmm. that you hid behind. And um, instead of fighting that or instead of reluctantly going through that, it feels now very freeing to go, bring it on. Like, like life is short, so shatter me mm. to then rebuild me and bring me into um, – your your idea of sonship, your mm. idea of being a, a husband, a father, a man. Um, I just turned fifty, and so a whole new decade. And yeah, I like I'm ready, you know. I, and I, and I don't want to miss any more of life living that way. So um, it's been good. Mm. Mm. 
Ellen, you know, my reaction to that, so I hear the stories is, um, it reminds me that, you know, the heartbeat of what we do, um, is, is discipleship and, and just the idea of, as Dallas would say it, Dallas Willard, he says, discipleship is learning from Jesus how to live my life as he would live it if he were me, Mm. that it's, it's so much deeper than conversion. It's an infinite number of conversions. And so I love, as I reflect back on, you talk about really thirsting for God, drinking God, and the idea that he he's actually continually stripping away the things that we try to use to work, or as you said, strip away the things that used to work. Um, it is a process, and there's always this frontier. And I just love that um, we're choosing to live in a fellowship with a deep core belief that God is inviting us to take a good, hard look at what's the next, what's the more, what's the frontier, where is he inviting us into um, more intimacy and more possibility that expresses itself in all these categories like our vocation, our marriages, our children. Well, and and the capacity for more, I think, is huge because Kelly and I were talking this weekend about um, my father passed away six, seven years ago, and and she made the comment, um, you know, well, in, in, in trying to love you, he did the best he could. And we paused there and I said, I, I think he did, but I, like, I don't know if he, did he do the best he could? Like, did, you know, in terms of transforming into the man he could be, mm-hmm. to be the father he could be, did, you know, did he? And, and the more we talked about it, it was, it was good for me as a son of this, of my earthly father to go, yeah, he did the best he could. And then to look at myself and go, man, I want to do the best I can, not in a productive striving way, but I want to be the most, as you said, you know, I want Jesus to live through me in the fullest way he can so I can be that for my children, for my wife, for you guys. And it's not often about doing at all. It's about being. But I, th- I think it, it has to be through an examined life that, yes. that those, the more happens. It doesn't just happen because you wake up a year mm. older. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. so that more is what I'm really hungry at. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to drink more from God on. That phrase, examine life, I find my heart really responding to that. I mean, I, it takes me to a scripture that went to this morning that really ties into it where God says, take a good hard look at your life, think it over, examine it. And then he goes on to say, you've spent a lot of money and you haven't much to show for it. You keep filling your plates, but you never get filled up. You keep drinking and drinking and drinking, and yet you're always thirsty. You put on layer after layer of clothes, and yet you can't get warm. And the people who work for you, what are they getting out of it? Not much. A leaky, Mm. rusted out bucket. That's Mm. what. Mm. Take a good, hard look at your life and think it over. I think, Ellen, in the presence of a loving father, in a worldview that knows that we are loved, we then can courageously go to the places that are the not yet in us and, 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 and truly live the examined life so that we can have the more that's available. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Yeah. Sure. 
your hunger and thirst, that deer thirsting for the brooks of cool water that propels a good self-examination, that propels everything else that you long and want for, the desire for God. Uh, Apart from that desire that's born and bred and nurtured in our heart for more of God, everything else is just a kind of religious activity and just falls on the strength of your ability to commit and do something versus um, a real pursuit of him, an openness to him, a vulnerability to him, uh, and allowing him to speak to places that he wants to but has not yet. So that's good, really good, Alan. May your thirst only increase. Well, and Craig, to your point, you know, the end of Ecclesiastes talks about... um, Boy, you're pulling out the scriptures, buddy. (laughs) This is tattooed on my arm, so I don't actually have to... But it says, there's no end to the publishing of books and constant study wears you out so you're no good for anything else. Um, And it goes on to talk about the, the main thing is just to be in union with God, the one shepherd. Mm. And um, I've spent a lot of my life learning about God, and that's good, but at some point you can learn a lot about something and yet never have intimacy with him. And so, man, yeah, the journey now is, sure, I want to learn more, but more than that, I want to just spend intimate time with God and um, drink deep from him. What about you, Craig? What last couple of well, days? Well, you've distracted me. I'm ready to start drinking. Um, <laughs> gosh, yeah. I'm sitting here going, Lord, how do I put this into words? Up until the last week or so, uh, Psalms, like Psalm 18, uh, over and over, um, that speak of God being my rock, my fortress, uh, my strength, my hiding place. Um, those have sustained me through kind of a tough season, that God God is the place to run to and that my help doesn't come from the mountains or armies or swords or medical centers. It comes from the Lord. And... and um, I felt like I'm really anchored to God, um, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what's unfolded. And um, um, just this last week, I've, for the first time, been experiencing what they call panic attacks or anxiety attacks, and it's a totally new category for me. And um, the interesting thing is, is... God is using my body, just freaking out and shutting down and and these tormenting fears that I'm dying um, to point out to me that um, my processing of life, my coping with um, all that unfolds in my story in my life uh, hasn't been working. It's... I've been coping well. I haven't been coping rightly. 
Um, there's something about how I have been living through these difficult times that has um, is doing harm to me to the point where my body is freaking out and shutting down as a kind of a warning that you something has to change and give here. And the feeling I have in these panic attacks is that uh, where I have received great strength in the past, feeling anchored to God, I now feel like um, that there is no anchor uh, and that I'm just drifting in this violent, stormy sea um, with no assurances of safe harbor or landing. Um, and that's been my experience and my feelings is this sharp contrast just in the last week from God seeming to be my safe place and I'm anchored to him to now drifting um, without an anchor. And somewhere in the back of my heart, and uh, I think it's a pretty core part, is this um, knowledge, belief, total trust that he is my anchor, my rock, my hiding place, my fortress, and that for a season uh, that may not feel true, that may not feel true to my experience, but actually in his scheme and plan for me, um, by exposing um, an inadequate way of living and coping, and by bringing me to this point of just having to own that um, I'm not dealing with my world well, um, is only going to make this anchor um, stronger in the future. So... I'm I'm kind of in that I'm kind of in that that uh, uncomfortable space between the God I have known and believe and trust and all that He's meant to me and my experience right now, feeling like none of that's true, mm -hmm. though I know it is, mm -hmm. and I tell myself over and over, you know, what is true about God. He is safe. He is my harbor. He is my anchor, despite what I feel. But I'm, I'm waiting to be re-anchored is the way it feels. And I'm confident I will be. And I'm confident that this season is going to um, prove itself really redemptive for me um, because it's God pointing out um, and calling out shortcomings in how I live my life and inviting me into living very differently. And it's just too early in the process for me to, to be able to clarify what that difference is, what it looks like. Maybe down the road I'll be able to do that. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And it's your your honesty in, in this part of the journey, I mean, is... It's really good and I think healthy, Craig, because it's it's leaning into God even when you're not sure in the moment of certain things. Um, but it's it's leaning into Him and still 
and still saying, yeah, it brings questions. Uh, but yet I know, I know he's the anchor, even when it feels like I'm without an anchor. Then that's it. I am confident uh, who God is and that I will be, that I will make it through this. But it sure doesn't feel that way. And there's this, this, these anxieties are the result of a lot of things, but one of the primary causes is it's just evidence that I haven't been living well in my world. And, it, you know, I've heard all three of us say, we want God. And uh, I'm hungry, thirsty for more. You know, I'm, I want to just burst and feel 10 feet tall. We long to know God in ways we don't. Mm. And for him to surface and expose uh, what gets in the way. And so I'm in the middle of learning that, boy, there's some stuff that's in the way. And uh, for this season, okay, all right, all these things are going to be in question. But what will get me through is just that core belief that, you know, he's good. He's my refuge. He's my rock. He's my anchor. I, this too will pass, and I will be a better man from it. Mm. And Craig, also, as I listen to you, where my heart goes is I want to say all that being true, also, it's a sign of maturing. Mm. That how often John's coached us with that, that crazy question is, what does maturity look like? Then when we look at Paul and we see he battled anxiety. Multiple mm-hmm. times, scriptures communicate stories where he's battling anxiety yeah. and serious danger, body, soul, and spirit. And then he's also the ambassador that says, you know, be content, have mm-hmm. joy in it, consider all things joy. Mm. And so I want to say also the beauty of this is that God is maturing you. Amen. And this is a sign of your maturing, though it doesn't feel like that. Yeah, that's really good, Morgan. That's true. That is true. And also, Craig, just as brothers that just love you, um, before we close, I'd just love to pray and stand mm. with you against that yeah. that panic. And Father, we love this man. Craig is our brother and our friend, and so we stand together as one, mm. united. We contend against those who contend against him. We claim your power, your life raised by Jesus Christ, raised through Jesus Christ. We claim your life over his life, that you would be triumphant, that you would come against his enemies, that you would stand in your authority against every spirit of anxiety, every spirit of Mm -hmm. panic Mm -hmm. and death and terror. We pronounce the word of God over Craig, over Mm -hmm. his body, over his biochemistry. Mm -hmm. Even today, we say that you, God, you sit down in high God's presence, all of us that spend the night in the shadow of God. We say this, that God is our refuge, Mm -hmm. that we trust in you and that we are safe. Mm -hmm. And so we speak it over you, Craig, that God Mm -hmm. is your refuge that you trust in him and that you are safe. He rescues you from hidden traps, 
that your God shields you from deadly hazards. His huge outstretched arms will protect you. You are, you are perfectly safe mm. under him. His arms fend off all harm. And so we speak in the heavenlies, fear nothing. Mm-hmm. Fear not wild wolves in the night, flying arrows in the day. Fear not disease that prowls through the darkness, mm. not disaster that erupts at high noon. Fear not. You will stand untouched because God is your refuge. The high God is mm. your home, Craig. Evil mm. will not get close to you and harm cannot get through your door. So we order the angels of God to guard you wherever you go. If you stumble, they will catch you. Mm -hmm. Their job is to keep you from falling. You will walk unharmed among lions and snakes. And if you hold on to me for dear life, says God, I will get you out of any trouble and I will give you the best care. And so we ask God that you would give Craig the grace to hold on to you in this moment for dear life, Mm. that he will get to know you more and trust you more. That Craig will call to you as we call to you on his behalf. We ask that you would answer him and be at his side in bad times. That you will rescue him, your favorite son. And as Psalm 91 says, you will throw him a party. You will give him a long life. And he will drink of your salvation. We declare it and we proclaim it Mm. over you, Craig. Your body, soul, and spirit. Your heart mind and will yeah yeah give me some of that amen amen some of that oh this has been good we just hope that our kind of being current with you will just help you be current with yourself and take a look at what's going on and what god is saying and inviting you into and uh that's why we're here We hope that you'll tap into the resources that we have. Check it out at RansomHeart.com. And join us each week as uh, this podcast is made available to speak to your heart in a way that draws you more deeply to God. We love you. Bless you. Thanks, guys. Thanks.